What is time? Uh, this is the second movement of a two movement sonata on on time. And uh, tonight I want to um, draw on um, stories of time and timelessness uh, from the group, from people in the group uh, here. Um, I want to acknowledge how rich it is to teach here. Uh, teaching is learning. Um, and the, the, the spontaneity with which these stories arise, uh, arise and arrive and have ended up in the book which I've written, which has substantial section on time uh, in it, I'm very grateful for that and uh, very grateful for the richness that you have provided uh, here. I'll start by just uh, reading a little bit from last week's, uh, last month's uh, talk, uh, just to establish the ground of the current itself, what is time, and then proceed into the new. Uh, when the physicist Richard Feynman uh, met a group of school children and one of them asked him, what is time? He answered with another question, what if there is no such thing? as time. What then? Hmm. Uh, I think when we practice the way uh, this becomes perhaps more a reality uh, for us over time. Uh, the sense that the moment uh, is finally without uh, boundaries. Uh, at all, and that we are not separate from it. The nature of the self and who we are, who we are truly, and the nature of time are deeply interwoven together. Uh, Realisation of who you truly are actually opens the matter of time up. And Feynman's rather joking response to the children uh, gets, there is a kind of reality that we begin to touch there. In Zen, while we acknowledge the passage of time and our own passing, um, we're encouraged to focus on the present moment as all there is. So there's all this fancy talk about the middle way and timelessness and all of this, but this is, a, in terms of our Zen training, this has got no relevance at all. You just focus on right now. So there is a gigantic redundancy in this talk. Just focus on right now. What's happening right now? Keep it simple. As Joko Beck puts it, nothing has ever existed except this moment. That's all there is. That's all we are. Beautifully encapsulated. On the other hand, uh, it, this also raises a question. Uh, how do we address notions like duration, for instance, uh, and the passage of time, the passing of time, uh, all those innumerable metaphors of the movement of time? Hmm. 
the passage of time uh, on one hand and the primacy of the moment. The moment is everything um, and yet it moves and yet time apparently uh, moves. It certainly seems to pass and is deeply interwoven with our notions of change. Whatever time is, we clearly change. It's impossible to talk about change without talking of time. However, that might just be a linguistic problem about meaning. So maybe there is no such thing as time. Uh, James Clark said, we know that time is imperceptible. We know that it is immaterial. We cannot see it, hear it, or touch it. If people say they perceive the passing of time, that's just a figure of speech they're picking up on, he says. Uh, The ticking of the clock or the beating of your heart. Uh, Whatever time is, uh, it lies outside the grasp of our senses. Through Zen practice we experience intimations of timelessness and the tradition which is, at least in terms of its translated reality in the West, is not particularly rich on time. But expressions like eternity is in the now, women's expression. Uh, When you see through this one thought moment He says, when you see through this moment, one moment of thinking or one moment of feeling, uh, you see through the one who sees. It's rather rather contracted, but uh, when you you see through the moment, when you see deeply into the moment, you see through the one who sees. You see what is most intimate. So last time we had these different accounts of the moment. The one is where the moment is defined as when uh, the future uh, becomes the past and it has no duration at all. Okay, so on that basis we dance, live, love, die um, in a moment which has no duration at all. And uh, we live on that nothing. There is also the notion of the moment that is formed by our attention to what is current. The moment is just the experience of what is there. The moment is mysterious, arising from unknown depths. We don't know in advance what it will be and it doesn't come marked as past, present or future. It will never come again. This will never come again. Moreover, we don't want to know what the next, next moment will be. Our remembering unfolds now. Our planning unfolds now. 
Our reflections on the past as well as those on the future unfold now, which is to say in this moment. How life gathers as this moment. This moment holds your birth and your death and mine too, and it holds the birth and death of stars. In the midst of the fleeting yet timeless moment, who are you? What are you? To practice Zen is to be intimate with the environment, with here and now. This, this. The stars are out, the waves glide onto the beach. Each of us uh, is a gathering of past, present and future. We are all time beings. At the same time, we are all for the time being. As in the expression, we're just here for the time being. Uh, these two notions that uh, we encode all of time and that we are just here for the time being form what is called the middle way. Those two uh, positions are the middle way and middle way is defined by uh, notions like if you mention right uh, then wrong uh, comes up if you mention up then down arises if you invoke time then you invoke timelessness so these are, these are contraries um, and characteristically, we, we practice not to find the average between these positions, but to actually go through the horns of the dilemma that they propose. Uh, it's called middle way. Middle way has also has the sense of uh, moderation in all things. There is a sense of averageness. But this notion of middle way is much more radical than finding an average Anyway, what would the average between time and timelessness be? So on the one hand, uh, the passage of time is inexorable. We know this on our pulses. We are all marked with our own decline and our mortality presses hard. That all things pass quickly away that we pass quickly away is the Buddhist family story. Endlessly told and retold because in some sense we don't want to get it, um, yet we must. It is tempting to see the passing of time with our attendant experiences of old age, sickness and death as the only story in town. However, there is an and yet to this story. This is the middle way again. So you talk impermanence, the passage of time, uh, our, the arising and passing away of phenomena uh, and ourselves and sentient beings 
on the one hand, and yet. Uh, with this and yet, uh, we enter the ter territory of Dogen's Uji, the time being. Uh, Dogen lived from 1200 to 1253. Um, he was a great teacher, uh, a great philosopher, and Uji, which is his work on the nature of time, uh, is profoundly uh, challenging and immensely thoroughgoing. <clears throat> For Dogen, we are all time beings, which is to say that we are each and all intimate with time and it with us. At the same time, Dogen acknowledges that time flows. He writes in Uji, the time being has the quality of flowing. So-called today flows into tomorrow. Today flows into yesterday. Yesterday flows into today. And today flows into today. And tomorrow flows into tomorrow. So it's... This is one... Um, one horn here. Uh, elsewhere he writes, uh, firewood does not turn into ash. Ash does not turn into firewood again. Uh, uh, firewood is firewood. Ash is ash. Correspondingly, birth does not turn into death. He writes, death is an expression complete this moment. Uh, so here, the moment of dying uh, for Dogen, the moment of death, that moment is the gathering of all moments. We die, uh, and yet. In other places, Dogen strongly suggests we die, and that's it. <laughs> but I'm thriving on the little bit that, that I've got here at the moment to keep the and yet uh, going. As he writes, accordingly, death is no death. Everything is gathered as this pucker of time we call uh, death. You die, and yet. So he writes, since there is nothing but just this moment, the time being, and that's you and me, is all the time there is. Grass being, form being are both time. Each moment is all being, is the entire world. Reflect now whether any being or any world is left out of the present moment. So the present moment is completely comprehensive, completely inclusive. 
For Dogen, each of us is just this moment, which is to say that each of us is all the time there is. There are no times left out of the present moment, including time past and time future. So there is no come and go of time. Uh, in the following passage, Dogen makes this explicit. Yet yesterday and today are both in the moment when you directly enter the mountains and see thousands and myriads of peaks. Yesterday's time and today's time do not go away. As time is not marked by coming and going, the moment you climb the mountain is the time being right now. He goes on to write, Do not think that time merely flies away. Do not see flying away as the only function of time. If time merely flies away, you would be separated from time. Rather, we are intimate with time and indissolubly so. This is the and yet of the impermanence story, its hidden face. Time passes, yet in the same breath, time does not come and go. The time of past experience is not other than the time being right now. We are no other than this moment in its vastness with past and future gathered as it. We are timeless even as we travel inexorably towards death. You are your life and your life is time, which is to say utterly timeless. Cathy Shields wrote to me uh, about her experience of, uh, we were looking at the lines from Dogen, the moment you climb the mountain is the time being right now. And this is Cathy's uh, account of her experience of intimacy, what I call intimacy across time. An experience she conveys beautifully and seamlessly as follows. So I'll call on Cathy to present her experience of this. In terms of conventional time, it was a little after 10 o'clock at South Beach on a Tuesday morning in January. There were only a few people walking or swimming under the cloudless sky. My dog and I had rippled enough laps through the mirror of the Indian Ocean. So avoiding patches of dried seaweed, we traipsed past the sea heath up the gentle dune. There was no one else at the beach shower, so we took our time. Following the toweling dry ritual, we wandered to a grassy area surrounded around the sole peppermint tree. Ella, my old dog, dropped to the grass like a bag of bones and gazed out at the ocean. I stood in the sunshine following her gaze and was about to lay out a towel in the dappled shade of the peppermint 
when my toes became younger by decades. Tuesday morning dissolved into childhood ground. The boundless blues of sea and sky and long white stretch of almost empty beach became the shore of sandcastles. With wet hair plastered down my back, I crouched on that shore and plunged my freckled hands into a soggy hole, which was quickly filling with water. Clasping the sodden sand between water-shriveled fingers, I bent lower and carefully dripped the next turret onto my castle as the sun beat on my shoulders and back. Higher, 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 the turret rose until stealthily the sea slid towards it and claimed its base. Down it tumbled. I gasped, but my sunburnt legs welcomed the cool swoosh of the easing wave. The sea breeze arrived with its salty taste, playing tunes of muffled calls, tinkling rigging and seagull screeches. My hands, washed of all days and age, lunged at the wet sand again, ready to forge another castle base. Ella whooped. Her demand for her usual post-swing treats and I turned towards her as my arthritic fingers fossicked in the beach bag. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah, Kathy's experience speaks so clearly and movingly uh, for me. Uh, and it speaks so clearly and movingly in itself that I'm reluctant to comment. Uh, all that I would venture to say is that when past and present are intimate to each other, as in Kathy's experience, uh, this is not something to do. This is no, nothing to do with memory, as such. Uh, what is happening there is quite remote uh, from that. The time of her past experience is simply not other than the time of right now. I want to return to the question of what is time? Uh, and uh, this question um, leads to a story which, which is headed, Mum, what is time? Uh, which Britta uh, told me uh, or wrote to me in an email recently. And this story um, illustrates uh, how much we quantify and commodify time and uh, also how fresh children are um, with regard to the, the to being alive <laughs> in situations where adults are completely distracted and cut off. So Britta writes, uh, this is years ago when I traveled on a very fast train from the north to the south of Germany. You can make it in just seven hours on the uh, inner city express from one end of Germany to the other. To the other. We call these trains ICE trains, uh, ICE. Uh, um. 
They're very long, white, sleek trains with predominantly open space carriages. So the train is speeding through the different landscapes of Germany uh, up to 300 kilometres an hour. And I happen to sit in a silent carriage, silent carriage in inverted commas, where you are not supposed to talk so that people can do their work on the train, typing frantically into their laptops while the world outside seems forgotten. A little girl focusing intently on her colouring in-book all of a sudden lifts her head and asks her mum in a relatively clear and loud voice, Britta, can you do this in German for me, please? <laughs> sure, and uh, what is time, she asks her mum. Uh, all the remaining passengers lift their heads too at this point, stopping their business and curiously waiting for the mum's response. This is great. This is Zen in, in living form. <laughs> And then after 10 seconds or so, the mum laughs and responds. You can feel the silence here, you know. Uh, mum, what is time? <laughs> and she says, that is a good question. It is something you have less and less of the older you get. <laughs> okay. And... Uh, uh, Britta makes the point here, uh, she might, uh, might have also said it is something that passes faster and faster the older you get. Um, either way. So how would you have responded to the little girl with the colouring in book? What is time? We're always quantifying time. We have time, we don't have time. Time is running out. Uh, time taken on these terms is a commodity. And uh, this is well expressed through expressions like time is money. I've always been intrigued uh, by um, parking, uh, having to pay for parking, uh, uh, buying uh, time uh, there and increasingly uh, paying through the nose for time. It's significant that people in the silent carriage on the long white ice train travelling from one end of Germany to the other in seven hours are trying to save time, to catch up on time, to use time to accomplish their tasks while being totally oblivious to the world outside and even around them. A lot of our existence, perhaps particularly with computers, can certainly seem uh, like this. Um, with the advent of clocks, uh, the quantifying of time also over the, well, since the 17th century at least, um, has become 
Um, yeah, more quantified, more obviously quantified. I think in the early industrial revolution, um, there were clocks up to tell people when they could leave, but the, the workers themselves would adjust the clocks uh, forward, you know, to leave earlier. But eventually all of this um, got out of the hands of the workers, I guess. And so the quantification of time and the commodification of time are both deeply related to each other. Um, you know, we sell our labour by the hour in some instance. I remember clocking on at the Hilton when I worked there, uh, along with you know, all the other workers, kitchen workers, musicians also clocked on. So you were there for four hours or for four and a half hours uh, playing. Actually, it was really helpful because some nights I would arrive feeling very artistic and, uh, you know, like enthusiastic to play, and I would play like a pig. <laughs> and I learnt after a while that the clocking on routine and, and treating it like a worker where you make a, a wall a brick at a time. So just focusing on what's to hand and doing that. Performances seem to be immeasurably better with that attitude than um, the freer artistic spirit didn't go so well in the dining room at the Parmelia anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, think commodification, uh, quantifying has virtues as well. Uh, you, would just turn, you just turn up for the gig and you do it, and sometimes it's marvellous when you least expect it. Back in 1973, Michael Ende wrote a marvellous novel for children called Momo, which you may know. Um, actually, Momo is a novel for us all, for it addresses a central issue of our time. Why, when we have so many time-saving appliances and can access uh, instant... Uh, sorry, we can get instant digital access to the world uh, through email and through text... Um, I mean, it's really changed. Uh, think of how much time is used, we used to take to post a letter, for instance. You had to go all the way to the post office, or at least to the post box. Uh, these days, instantaneity is where it is at. And yet, and this is what's central to, the, to Momo and its story, and yet we seem to have so little time. something very strange uh, about that. There is another face to quantification of time, the mum's response. The time is something you have less of the older you get. Um, the question itself, how much time do we have, um, is consequential for ourselves and for our families. Um, I think about those situations when we're told that we have a terminal illness. Uh, how do we use the time that we have left? Perhaps it's an opportunity to forgive and to seek forgiveness and to tell people that we love them while we still can. In a way, an endless life may well be a meaningless life. But the fact that we will die, um, perhaps imminently, 
gives urgency and even meaning to our life. So the fact that we are finite, um, I think, is deeply woven with uh, with meaning. And it certainly gives urgency to our life. How much time we have truly depends on the extent to which we can be intimate with the moment, which is no other than who we are. There's a beautiful thing in The Guardian recently which uh, ran the line, a little article, it said that if you meditate, um, you double the length of your life. I mean, this is quantification and commodification on a considerable scale. So, but the point being made in the thing that is that when you truly attend to the moment, um, you lose the sense of passing time uh, in that attention. Uh, the more intimate you become, and the person writing us saying, the more time you have. Um, it's very interesting. So I've been saying for years uh, that you know, if you meditate for an hour a day, there are 27 hours in the day. If you meditate for two hours a day, there are 31 hours in the day, and on and on from there. But it does change your experience of time in deep ways. And Michael Ende makes a wonderful observation in Momo regarding time. He writes, Life holds one great but commonplace mystery, time. Calendars and clocks exist to measure time, but that signifies little, because we all know that an hour can seem an eternity or pass in a flash, according to how we spend it. Time is life itself, and life resides in the human heart. The mother's words in Britta's footnote, um, which is her second account of what the mother may have said, that uh, time speeds up uh, the older you get, point to the familiar sense of time seeming to speed up as we age. Again, being there for what is, being intimate with what presents, uh, shifts our experience of time from an exclusive focus on how much time we have or don't have to a greater intimacy with the timelessness of this moment, right here, right now. And that intimacy changes everything. If that little girl had asked you, what is time, how would you have responded? Uh, finally, uh, one little story. I realise this is long. But, uh, this is a story that um, uh, Pedro Rojo uh, told me. Uh, now back in Chile. But wanting to come back to Western Australia and practice here. And this is Pedro's story. After dropping my son at school, I turned on the ignition in my car. The radio was already on, and it was Vivaldi. I knew the melody, and I knew how it continued. Uh, naturally, without effort, it felt a part of me. 
And all of a sudden I was living in the music. The music was me. I felt that my intimacy with the music made me the music. So much so that even if I had died, a part of me would still remain in the music and that music would be myself. I don't care if I die. Even if I die, I'm living as that music. I thought it was interesting to think that I won't ever die because I am more than myself, as he puts it. I won't ever die because I am more than myself. Although, of course, no doubt, I will die. And with that story, sums up the themes of tonight's talk uh, beautifully and vividly. As one of my students put it regarding herself, I'm as old as the night sky. Uh, 21 is old as the night sky. 98 is old as the night sky. 47 is old as the night sky. 200 is old as the night sky. We are nothing without each other. We are nothing without the moment in its fastness. In the face of all of this, what is time? Thank you.